first meeting, kind of the general overview survey results in late November. So crazy to think that we've been doing this for a year. We've had so many cool guests on and to really top off the year, we have the executive director of AHA. Like what the, that is just insane. So it's super cool to see that and we've had such cool guests on. Uh, huge shout out to Malcolm from last month. That was a ton of fun to talk to him. Um, he was still as snarky and as knowledgeable as, as ever, as I remember from the old podcast days. So there's a picture of Will's feet. That's cute. Um, so yeah, it was a ton of fun. If you guys have any guests that you'd like us to, to reach out to, to bring on, if you want anything special with this club, if you have any ideas, let us know. We're always open. Uh, and actually we, we, use those ideas because we're always looking for different ideas so let us know uh heading right into it brew santa if you guys haven't done brew santa well we i guess we only did it once but if you weren't able to participate last year it is a semi-secret santa beer swap so you send in your your name um your info your your shipping info kind of beers you like beers you prefer and beers you really don't like and don't want anything to do with and uh, we'll match you up on our end and send your info to someone else along with the beer preferences. And uh, they'll send you a packet of beer. So we have uh, we have a few stipulations on that. We're looking to get that done, I think, in November. And then we're going to drink them all for our December meeting so we can all talk about the beers we got. Um, homebrew, commercial, kind of whatever you guys want to do. So reach out on that. That's super fun. Uh, hit up Will for that one. I guess you can talk to any one of us if you do want and uh we'll get you in touch with will um brew club experiment series so that's winning the delta firm tank at the end of the year uh we've had quite a few uh members do it and participate in this uh i was the most recent one this last thursday with my i did my average brew ordinary bitter keg condition versus bottle condition um no surprise the results were non-significant but that was a hell of a lot of fun to do the do the uh, experiment and go through the process and really get in, get in touch with what the, the contributors do. I mean, on a semi-weekly basis, they're brewing these every couple of weeks. So uh, it was it was fascinating. So even even if you have the slightest interest, I encourage you to do it. Jump right in. Try it out. It's a ton of fun. I mean, you're following the process that that these contributors are are going through. So it's a blast. Um I don't think there's anything else on that. Yeah, reach out to Alex and Will on that one to get you set up. Uh, talk about the guidelines, everything like that. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Just a few more pictures you have to take through brew day and and some uh, different survey stuff you got to do. Uh, next month for our last guest of 2022, we are going to have the first returning guest. We are actually going to have Brian Perky back on. Uh, so Brian is our rep that we work with through Lalamond. He sends us all the yeast. I send him an email with what I want. Uh, he sends me, yep, got your address. Boxes are in the mail. Super easy. But then we end up getting on a phone call and talking for like two hours every night. So just it's it's a ton of fun. He's a he's a really cool guy. Uh, he's actually going to be talking to us about dry lager yeast in conjunction with the Nova Lalamond yeast release, which is the new dry lager strain. Um, if we have enough interest, hopefully we can get a, a box of that and send it out as part of an average brew maybe next year. Um, but I'm super pumped. I love Diamond Lager. Um, Mr. Ed Bove, a gold winner at Brickstoberfest, going to throw that out, is joining us. Um, so yeah, Thank you for that. You <laughs> bet. I got I to gotta reach out and steal that recipe because that, uh, 
my dark mild did not do so hot. So I'm looking forward to, to reading yours. Um, but yeah, Brian will be on with us next month. That'll be a ton of fun. Last time he drank like half a bottle of scotch and we stayed for like, what was it? Two and a half hours, Alex. So it was a good time. I'm going to buy a, a nice bottle of single malt for that occasion. Uh, average brews, our last one of 2022. That is insane to think about. It's our last average brew for the year. Uh, when we started this, we'd, we didn't know what our, our outcome would be. We didn't know if people would give a shit or brew it or whatever. And uh, a lot of you guys have have really taken to it. And I think it's it's forced a few of us to get outside of our our realm and our, our comfortability zone, at least, and, and brew some different styles. So uh, Ordinary Bitter, our, our competition just wrapped up today for that. And we will be, uh, well, we actually just announced the survey for the next one, which is uh, Oatmeal Stout 16B in the BJCP guidelines. So we're going to, thanks, Alex, I was going to throw that up. Um, and this is the most, ambitious beer style we've taken on uh there's so many different interpretations to the style and we have a fun little question in there that that if voted yes it'll let us all forego the og requirement and if you want to brew an imperial oatmeal stout (laughs) go for it if you want to stick to the guidelines all the more power to you so it's going to be a lot of fun um definitely take that survey get your results and get the yeast uh the lalaman yeast I know it is a little over half gone already um, because of our next topic, which is the learned brewers. So I think most of you are already included in this. It is our our paid tier. Um, so we, we wanted to get a paid tier for membership for the brew club. Um, nothing huge, 25 bucks a year. Um, just, just to help the club out, you know, that 25 bucks, that's less than five cups of coffee a year. I put in the post... A, um, you know, that's huge for us. That helps us do so many different things and gives us access to doing just, just more fun stuff for everybody and really, really trying to get this club a little bit more active. We got to, we have to work in a different way than a traditional in-person club. So, um, if you feel so inclined to, to support us and, and, you know, send us some dues and, and become part of that, we have a lot of cool perks. Um, all the learned brewers got access to the survey early so they got access to the yeast early for lalaman and the imperial yeast is a um exclusive benefit to that side of the club now um and we got a we got a a lot of other perks that are going into that side of the club and a lot of different ideas for new perks coming up and stuff that the whole club is going to benefit from just because of that so it's fantastic uh like alex put in the flyer i think you get a warm and fuzzy feeling from from helping us out and, and making this club the best it can be. So uh, reach out to Alex for questions on that. I see he dropped it 25 bucks for the year. Uh, if you pay before that's for 2023. So if you pay before 2023, you also get the benefits through 2022 as well. Um, so if you want, if you have any more questions, any suggestions we can do, uh, you think we're nuts for doing it, let us know. One of the benefits that we have for that, 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 it's going to make possible for us to do is discord trivia night. So there's a, there's a cool little bot on discord that I discovered through a different uh, discord server that I'm a part of that does trivia for us. I mean, I, I type in a little code and it just plays. Um, so it'll be super cool to, to do these so, to sort of new little fun things just to get the club together outside of, you know, just our meetings and Facebook group and discord and stuff. And, and, and have some fun and talk about some beer stuff and maybe talk about some not beer stuff. So 
that's one thing that we'll start the expect the announcement in a couple of weeks and we'll do monthly every other month i don't know whatever people want um yeah that'll be super fun and uh now introducing our guest for this month uh the executive director of the american homebrewers association which i'm pretty sure the majority of us are, are a part of and are members of uh julia hers thanks for coming on with us hey y'all how you doing you hear me okay yeah you bet glass raising cheers to say you hear me i love it um i see only pictures for some of you totally respect that totally invasive and wild that we're still all virtual the ones that are showcasing your face thank you it's helpful as a speaker to see people um, so you're doing your part to help your brethren that is not showing themselves, but I, I'm, I'm uh, sending you good wishes no matter where you are. I'm talking to you from my home in Lyons, Colorado. Um, out that window, uh, no, out the window in front of me, about 25 minutes, is the main offices for the American Home Brewers Association and Brewers Association. Boulder, Colorado is uh, where the BA and AHA started. Um, out the window that I was originally talking about, about five minute walk or golf cart ride, because we would drive golf carts around our town, is the original Oscar Blues. I know you all are intimately familiar with Oscar Blues because Texas um, Oscar Blues has their location. Um, I recognize that this club is, is located in Houston, um, but just to kind of give you a little reference of where I am, and, and this is my, my home office. Um, super excited for uh, Alex to give me this opportunity. I am a home brewer through and through. It's how I started in the whole beer biz. I've worked at the Brewers Association, believe it or not, collectively for 16 and a half years and counting. Um, I did sales. I was the craft beer program director. If you see the independent craft brewer seal at any beers that you buy, I helped create that. I was the publisher and originator for craftbeer.com. Um, and really, in you know, many years of my time at the BA, uh, as the program director, worked on beer education. And uh, when I started in 2007 in that role, people weren't always drinking beer out of a glass as much. And you know, we didn't nearly have as many um, homebrew clubs or home brewers. Uh, and today, it's amazing, stat-wise, to just kind of give you big picture, because some of what I can bring to the table is a national view to all the local clubs that I get the chance to talk to is in our database and I will friskily try to see and maybe I mess it up, but maybe I can share my screen. Let's give it a go. Give me a second. Um, share your screen. No, we did not test this earlier, but we're going to give it a go. Oh yeah, I'm totally going to be able to do this. So y'all should be able to see homebrewersassociation.org. Thumbs up. Yep, yep it's working. Right. Yeah. So in your course of being a home brewer, whether you're a member of the American Home Brewers Association or not, um, this is the main website uh, that we use as kind of the workhorse to get the information out there. Um, it's an incredible asset to uh, use. Uh, again, a lot of the content's not member only, um, but some of the really juicy stuff is. Uh, and I wanted to bring this up for a few reasons. Here's homebrew clubs. There's 2,200 homebrew clubs that we list Alex, whether I'm missing this or not, I don't know, but we're not seeing y'all. So when I look up Texas, I had you in my database. So maybe there's a misspelling or something, um, but you've got a lot of good good, uh, good clubs to network with. And if you go to Houston, I'm not seeing y'all. So after this, I'll send a follow-up email and I'd love to see you all get listed. Here's who we've got for Houston. Um, and that's- 
Fresno, California, right, Alex? Yeah, that, yeah. I think part of the confusion is uh, we don't really have too much of a proper home base because we're uh, kind of, a, I guess, a worldwide club, you might want to call it, where we've got a couple thousand people everywhere. And so... So that just helps explain so much <laughs> when my research and poking around your Facebook page and like, I'm like, what is going on? And then the application came from Houston. So great. Makes sense. Um, and I love it. Uh, I will go back to uh, kind of big picture stats. So 2,200 homebrew clubs. I don't know how many of those did make it through COVID and have come back. Um, and I would also say a big percentage of those has now become more social drinking clubs and appreciation versus brewing. Uh, and it's interesting. And so one day I'd like to get a better handle once we you know, spend more time going back into the database. Also um, on homebrewersassociation.org and since you're a global uh, community, this is even more relevant. We have our shop directory. So up here, um, are you able to now see it says find a homebrew supply shop at the top? Yeah. Great. Sometimes we share screen and you go to the next web page. It only shows the old one. So thanks for confirming that. So we have about 620 supply shops in this database, um, including online. And I think that's important for trends. Um, and I'll keep kind of sharing and then not sharing. I think it's interesting to note that I've talked to, you know, many shops at this point since um, taking over as the executive director for the AHA in December of 2021. And I'm not so sure they're having an easy time. It's a mixed bag. Some I talk to and y'all are nodding, really get it. They're savvy. They're using low, you know, uh, current modern technology. They've kept pace. They've uh, certainly became online resellers as much as brick and mortar. But then others maybe are more mature in years, they don't have a succession plan, and they just haven't kept pace with technology to sell and compete. Um, so of those 600 plus shops, when we really do another audit for it, I, you know, I predict potentially, and I don't want to um, create a, a scare, I more so want to bring attention to the concern that maybe we have, you know, a couple hundred less, maybe we only have four or 500 in, in several years. And it often is surprising to me, but yet it's not that you know, Amazon's becoming one of the largest uh, homebrew shops and they're not really a shop, they're just a reseller. So you're, a lot of people are buying from shops through Amazon. And so where does that put Amazon? And so it's really interesting times to me to start to look at the space because I've been homebrewing since my twenties. I have national homebrew competition medal under my belt for an old ale, mind you, not, you know, not easy to do, silver medal for me and my husband when I wasn't at the BA. Um, I've done multiple, uh, you know, been, been a beer judge since the nineties in beer judge certification program. I'm now an advanced Cicerone. Um, and I brewed probably if you, I created a brewing resume for myself, probably more than a hundred, you know, homebrew batches. Um, and before the end of this call, I'll try to call in on my cell phone. And if I can do that, I'll walk you to show you oh, a little feedback from somebody right now that just joined. Yeah. Will, do you have the power to to mute everybody other than Julia. We don't have it. Alex and I don't. Will Will is one of our other uh, leaders. You did Great. Oh, perfect. Yep. Looks like it worked. Cool. Thank you. Um, and please unmute when you want to chat. 
Um, but I'll try to I'll try to go on my cell phone and go mobile and walk to my kitchen because that's you know we're home brewers. I want to talk to people about what's in their brewery, what's going on. So I'll walk you to my kitchen, and if it works, um, I'll show you what I've got fermenting. Um, here's another fun one to share with you all in terms of adventures and just setting the stage for my learnings these days. Um, yeah, I'm going to do this Canva presentation. Give me a sec. Um, and you're going to see something fun, sharing screen, Chrome tab, big picture. Okay, you should see a bunch of slides from Canva. I'm going to not do present mode because then it takes hijacks and then I can't see you. It takes over the whole screen. But you can see one slide right now, what's hot in home brewing. There Is we that go. correct? Yep, that's correct, yep. Okay, got it. it. looks like there was a delay. So I'll talk about some of these slides in a second, but the point I was getting to right now is here's my A-liner camper. I love this camper. For anyone that has campers, a uh, total game changer for me. I've always done backcountry and tent camping, but I never had a camper. Super light, my 2001 Honda Odyssey minivan called Velma the minivan, Velma the van can pull it. It's less than 2,000 pounds. There's an in and out stove for this. And I don't have a picture, which is terrible, but I will get one of me brewing. Um, and the point of the story is, is that I'm now experimenting with going to locations and especially because it's COVID, maybe people don't want to have me, you know, the, the HA ED lady in their homes. Um, some do, but I want to brew. And so I can brew on this in and out stove. The stove can go um, connect to the propane on the outside and you just kind of prop it up here or in. And when I show you my batch of beer, I brewed on that um, at the Wyoming Brewers Guild Conference and the parking lot at the hotel uh, and uh, did an all grain one gallon batch. And I made a Belgian golden strong ale and that's what you'll see fermenting. Once it was done with primary fermentation, I added that I locally foraged five minutes away from my house in like the public park here in Lyons, wild plums, real like gamey plum flavor, flavor super sweet, beautiful color like not dark purple more pinks and orange hues and reds and they just were blooming and at their at their peak right before i brewed this batch of beer so i boiled those down after removing the pits juiced them and then i saved some of the um the the fruit and so i just added the fruit to the secondary of this belgian golden strong ale and i'm curious to see where the tannins you know how it how it lends to that some tannins I really always like, a little grippiness in my beers. I think it'll add some beautiful color to the Belgian Golden Strong. Um, so I'm trying to do some fun, creative stuff. Um, you all brew in many different fashions. And is there even a chat feature? Yeah, I see a chat. Uh, yep. um, how the chat room works. Okay, fine. Great. Great. In the chat, now I'm finally looking at that. I see y'all been chatting and I wasn't um, paying attention. Uh, feel free to tell me how you brew, meaning the main way that you brew. Are you brewing on a 10-gallon um, electric brew-in-one system? Are you brewing stovetop extract, steeping grains? You know, tell me, tell me how you brew just so I can get a, a sense. And what I've been doing is trying to learn every single way. And, and some of what I've experienced in home brewing, just as a member of the AHA over the years and a home brewer is, there's some stigma, right? And there's some stigma um, against extract, for example, um, kits, uh, you know, and they do have a reputation for sometimes being out of date. So anyway, I want to remove the stigma of any way in any form that somebody homebrews. 
I also want to ensure that we all, and you can help do this, um, encourage the newbies to step in in whatever fashion. So if there's a new home brewer and y'all are recruiting to get more members, um, and especially as a global online community, you have a really good, powerful place to do that. Always remember the newbies don't know the lingo. Newbies don't know the acronyms. You know, as a new anything in any hobby, it's overwhelming. So whatever you all can do as more seasoned homebrewers to mentor the newbies is really good and encourage them. Um, and so that brings me to Learn to Homebrew Day. We will be, for Learn to Homebrew Day, doing a one-gallon, uh, kind of modeled after some of the experimentation I've had going on, um, partial, you know, it's extract with steeping grains. So we figured that would be very accessible and easy for new homebrewers to do. So it's a hoppy amber ale, November 5th. I would encourage you all to pregame for that and get your ingredients and brew on that day or even brew in advance and use it as a recruiting tool to help your club grow, to help others that have said, hey, it's so cool that you homebrew. Invite them to homebrew with you or tell them you're going to come to their house and homebrew. So if you go to Learn to Homebrew Day um, on the American Homebrewers Association website, you can save the recipe. The Hoppy Amber is all here for you, obviously, based on availability for your um, uh, source of ingredients. You can make modifications, um, but I think it's going to be totally accessible, and I've done a test batch of it, um, and I'm just excited to see many people brew it. And what you do, the gist is, for Learn to Homebrew Day is you register your, um, your brew day in, on our website. So consider doing that because then we can count the numbers of how many people are brewing. And over the years, when we've done these homebrew days, the national holidays like Big Brew in May and Mead Day in August, Learn to Homebrew Day, we bring together hundreds, if not thousands, globally all brewing on that same day. And so it's kind of pretty, pretty cool and powerful. Um, I guess I'll keep going and then I'm going to look at the chat to while y'all are asking me questions so I can see what you answered. So thanks for putting in how you do it. Um, but I thought it was fun to share these kind of slides. That's probably on top of things. Like you all are not your typical homebrew club. When I put on Twitter a few weeks ago, got 48 votes. So a good pulse. Most clubs are really small compared to you. Um, and you could, you know, based on trying to get it to get some funds, 25 bucks from each member to your club and whatnot, like budget to have your officers go to HomebrewCon in San Diego in June, right? 2023 will be in San Diego. Um, budget to cover and reimburse certain expenses. That's why you give to your homebrew club. The membership fee isn't really to, to usually to cover a lot of expenses. Most homebrew clubs are volunteer and very low, if not any. Um, expenses from the organization. It's more about, I think, supporting those leader volunteers that put in the time. And why not create a fund to have you as officers, whoever you are, travel and, and network and, and learn more about homebrewing and then bring that information back to the club. That's why I want to see more officers, especially and homebrewers at HomebrewCon. Um, so super jazzed about that in San Diego. Um, homebrewersassociation.org, we just published all 40 plus talks from the Pittsburgh June 2022 homebrew con and if you scroll through those cutting edge um, you know that's where all the trends come from is the speakers that are given a lot of that information and also who's writing for homebrew magazines um, so a lot of great stuff I'll also say Texas now I'm on this slide y'all are representing this is um, all of the AHA membership we have 37,000 members which is amazing well, Julia, to me. you might have to um, that's not the height 
Okay. We, we can still, we can still we see the sharing. So you'll see the what? We could still see the uh, learn to brew day screen. So you might have to share the other screen with the slides Great. on it. Sorry to interrupt you. Thanks for telling me. No, I appreciate that. It wouldn't be worth it if. Uh... Can you see not the learn to homebrew day, but a big map? So still the learn to homebrew uh, day still... page, unfortunately. I see the issue. I'm going to fix it. Give me a sec. I know exactly yeah. how to combat this. This is why we're getting funds and trying to move to teams. <laughs> we got this. Um, nope, it's still showing Chrome tag. Oh, it's because I was choosing the wrong one. There we go. Okay, totally fixed, right? Yep. There we okay. go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you had been seeing that. Now we're properly seeing this. And I know it's a little small, I'll try to make it bigger. So like Texas, mighty Texas, y'all, um, that I'm so anchored in, we're one, you know, Houston, Reed, California, look at California at 12.7%. Wherever you are calling in for the Brew Club meeting, um, your state's represented here of our 37,000 members. And pretty impressive to see the geographic breakdown and how things fall. I think that uh, we all want to see more homebrewers. I'd love to see us have 50,000 members. We could do a heck of a lot more for homebrewing if we did. Um, and uh, all I know is the percentages, though, will probably would maybe stay the same ishy. Uh, but it's always interesting to kind of share that kind of nugget. So in terms of homebrewing, I mentioned the big picture. So you come away from this talk with that of the 2200 clubs, a couple hundred international. Um, we have almost 400 clubs in our insurance program. Uh, you all might not need it because you're meeting virtually. Um, and then the member deals, which is uh, member, uh, discounts across the U.S. is part of the AHA, 2,000 plus there. And I love to show this one. Um, I'll make it a little smaller. So there's Charlie Papazian, obviously the founder um, of Homebrew uh, Home Association. Hold on, I have to sneeze. I, I got to sneeze. Hold on. <laughs> it went away. I scared myself out of the sneeze. <laughs> um, so Charlie's amazing. He's definitely mentored me. Um, and Charlie's all about relax, don't worry. This is Charlie with his spoon recently in the last few years. And Teresa McCullough is the curator for the um, Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. And so National Museum of American History now has homebrewing re recognized in it. Pretty cool. And one of the ways they recognize it is with Charlie Spoon. Um, so pretty amazing. Another um, little tidbit in case you didn't know is homebrewing is federally legal. You should know that because we're all able to brew because of that. Right. Um, and then, of course, the state laws matter. The gist is in 1978, homebrewing got legalized up to 200 gallons per family household. If you weren't a family and you were an individual, it was 100. We still have that today in effect. And then the dominoes started to fall after 78. And then in 2013, which is what this little map that says legal points at, is when we finally sealed the deal for all 50 states with um, Mississippi and Alabama being the last two to fold. I don't know when Texas said yes, but it was before Mississippi and Alabama. I don't know when California did it. I don't know when other states did it, but um, 2013, kind of a pretty damn cool milestone. Um, we've been publishing Zymergy since 1978. Uh, if you don't get it, you should. It's it's frigging gold. 
every other month into your mailbox. Um, membership is uh, $49 because I'm giving a talk and I'll put it in the chat um, while y'all are asking your questions because I can't do two things at once. Um, $10 discount. So $10 discount doesn't come along every day. So I'll put in a AHA discount to consider getting Zyme and, uh, and join us. And if you're already a member, thank you so much. Um, and you can use the discount code in the future. Um, what else would I share? You know, homebrewing leads to innovation. It's definitely led to a lot of careers. To me, it leads to confidence. A lot of um, all walks of life should be invited to homebrew. And I think equity is a part of the conversation nowadays. I've always felt welcome homebrewing. This is me on one of my systems, 10 gallon um, stainless kettles that I bought from more beer many years ago. This is my mash tun. My Cajun cooker is on top of the patio and obviously I have no pumps going on here. So I stand up on the patio. And then I will drain it into this, which is my boil kettle. Um, and I've made a lot of good beer in this system. Stovetop, though, is great. And I, you know, you get a good size kettle that sits on whatever burner and you're good to go. You also can um, re-add water to the batch. If you feel like you don't have a kettle that's big enough for stovetop, make a small batch. As long as you're converting your grains, right, or um, diluting your extract, you're fine. And then you can add water to bump up the volume. Um, so I love it. It's an amazing hobby. Um, American Homebrewers Association started, helped start literally the Beer Judge Certification Program in 1985. Uh, it's obviously now its own independent org, but I've been a beer judge, I think I said, since the 90s. I always think this is interesting to show. Um, this is their stats. 8,000 active judges. That's a big deal. So the number of judges continues to grow. And I love to bring up um, not just competitions tied to BJCP and judging. Um, and this is representative of the National Homebrew Competition, which we'll again host in San Diego next year. So keep an ear out. But the fact that, and I'm kind of flipping around here. Oh, I don't have it. My slides, I had one on beer judge. Here we go. So beer judge certification program, help me out. I'm gonna stop sharing having a uh, virtual malfunction. Should have been right there. That's super weird. Anyway, I'll just verbally talk to it. Beer Judge Certification Program um, 2021 Guidelines. Really good one for everyone to pay attention to, especially if you're in Cicerone or BJCP studies to be a beer judge or a Cicerone, um, or you enter competitions. 2015 is the guidelines that we've all been using, right? Since 2015. Before that, they had updated them in 2008. So now all competitions have six months from, from basically January of this year to flip and then apply and use the 2021 guidelines versus the 2015. So it's always a good one to bring up. Um, I don't think they made a lot of dramatic changes. Some of them are, you know, a little uh, controversial. They finally added bread IPA, but yet who's brewing bread IPA or sorry, um, brute IPA, right? But, but how many brute IPAs do you see? Um, but there's a lot of good improvements too, as a judge, I think to the style guidelines that they updated. So yeah, I mean, we're here, we're doing our thing in the future. If you read Zymergy, you'll get updates from me on what the AHA is up to and doing with membership resources. We're obviously focused on content, continuing to grow the recipe database, 
you all can contribute to that. We'd love to get you pictures of you brewing and publish that. We'd love to get the date, you know, any of your recipes published and shared with the community. We'd love you publishing or uh, participating in the homebrew holidays, coming to the conference. Um, and we've got a lot of initiatives that are kind of in the queue and in the works to advance and grow the hobby. And as I said, work on making it a little more accessible, removing any of the stigma that kind of became cultural norms tied to homebrewing, I think is key. Um, and uh, resources uh, are, are lengthy. Um, just ping me if you ever want to know if we have anything that's helpful, because if we don't, it puts it at the top of my mind to maybe build that, especially the more clubs that ask or the more homebrewers. Or I might just say, yes, we have this resource and point you to it. So I will stop talking. I'm going to look at your answers. I'm going to put a few things in the chat. And then we'll go to my kitchen. I'll show you my brew. And Alex, after this call, I'll send a follow-up email. And if you're willing to send that, to um, put it on the Facebook group page or whatever, that'd be great. And then everyone can kind of see some resources that I'd like you all to be aware of that are there to help you. Because our goal is to help homebrewers reach homebrewers' goals, right? We all, that's why the national org is there. And so I want you to, to know um, what we've got in Sounds the great. So there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe right. any guys, questions have... or Yeah, if you guys got questions, drop them in the chat for Julia Brent. I know you submitted a couple earlier. So if you want to just resend those. Otherwise, up at the top right of the meeting screen, there's a little smiley face. It's like the emoji thing. Use that raise hand feature just so we're not all talking over each other. That might be the easiest way for uh, for Julia to um, call on us if we want to talk to her and ask questions. <clears throat> I see a few coming into the chat, Julia. If you need, if you want me to read those off too, I can. Yeah, if you can, that'd be great. Yeah, you bet. Let's jump back to Brent's question he sent right in the beginning. Do you think that national homebrew competition will move back to re the regional model or will it stick with the single centralized competition? Um, I get it. I'm a homebrewer too and entered our competitions during my um, intermittent not working at the BA uh, phase. Uh, and I love the regionals and first round. Um, one of the big reasons that you did have that interruption was because of the complexity to host 10 plus regional locations and then COVID hit but we are somewhat getting more um, seasoned again with the, the new team that we have in place. Um, and we will be looking to confirm our direction for 2023 before the end of the year. So stay tuned. I hear you loud and clear and I'll just leave it at that. Awesome. Good to know. Sorry, I'm getting another beer here and it's dark. Um, Chris asks, how much work is the AHA for you? And I, I believe it's your full-time job, right? Yeah, it's my full-time job. Absolutely. I mean, 37,000 members. We have a lot of communications that do come in. And by the way, if you're a member, we have a whole team. If you ever have challenges logging into your you know, account or anything like that, people often don't know they can pick up the phone and call us. So yeah, it's my full-time job. I travel a lot for the AHA too. Um, I'm judging in as many competitions, brewing as much as I can, um, and I hope to do it for many years. Awesome. How? Just out of curiosity, how big is your team? How many? How many uh, associates do you have? 
So it's an entire organization. So there's the professional side on the Brewers Association side. And for those that don't know the Brewers Association, the BA hosts Great American Beer Festival, for example. Um, it grew from the AHA. First, it was the AHA, and then it grew into the professional side. So now the Brewers Association, that's kind of the parent org to the AHA, has a marketing team, has a events team, has a government affairs team. So the team is both for professional and AHA, and it's about 40 people plus. I will say that the professional side certainly keeps them rather busy, um, but uh, it's pretty cool to be in the care of really seasoned um, uh, authorities in their roles. And I think that home brewing will only benefit from that model. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ed says, how can you provide, or can you provide some suggestions on food and beer pairing? Help explain how some of that works in general. I, that's a topic I've, I come from a culinary background. So that was kind of what brought me into, uh, wanting to homebrew is the culinary aspect of it is creating those different flavors. So I know, I know you've done quite a bit of work on that. Yeah, I have. I'm going to, I'm going to not be rude because you're going to see me walking, but I'm going to stand up real quick and grab something. Yeah. So is it the book? Yeah. Yes, it is. So Ed, thanks for asking the question. This isn't all I would want to share, but it's a great start. It took me seven years to co-author this with Gwen Conley, who's now with Cutwater Spirits. She's formerly of Lost Abbey. And when I came into the role as craft beer program director, my previous one to this, um, I had to speak as an authority on pairing, but I only had I only knew how to speak as an authority on beer and beer styles and judging and brewing and so I was really troubled by that. I also noticed a lot of brewers can't speak as authorities on pairing. So in seven years, I scripted my part of what I wanted everyone to know if I could educate those in food and beverage on pairing. And so back to the question, um, one of my favorites is uh, fettuccine, uh, fettuccine Alfredo, an American IPA. Um, we also have a whole chapter on this American IPA and that burger like literally a whole section, sorry, not chapter, section, because you could take a plain burger and sure, that bun, which is more of a um, advanced bread bun compared to just a general white hamburger bun, um, the uh, the flour and the notes in that bun are gonna really marry with the, the pale malt notes in the IPA. Um, but the IPA, the American hops, and I think of American hops as either citrus or the forest, like actually let's get better at that, the tropics, or the forest, right? American hops are either clementines, pith of grapefruit, you know, passion fruit, etc. Or you go to the forest with some of those American hops, pine, spruce tips, right? Juniper. Well, the hops for this find their way to the blue cheese in this, right? Blue cheese has almost that like gamey, stinky blue vein. And that is what makes blue cheese so amazing. But if you think about proper forest American hops, the flavors, they so work well with the blue cheese and the blue veins there. Then you got a snap from this um, uh, purple onion, like a real tart, sharp snappiness. That actually brightens up your palate as you're drinking this IPA. I think that um, the interplay of pairing is powerful where food makes beer better. Food can make beer worse too, but it should for a home run pairing, make the beer better and beer should make the food better. One plus one equal five. Well, and I haven't even gotten to talking about the burger um, and how it would work with the IPA, but you kind of get it. You want a home run pairing. 
And so there's reasons behind that. And so anyway, back to my one example besides that is fettuccine Alfredo and American IPA. Um, back to the forest hops, especially if I put some rosemary or sage over that fettuccine Alfredo, then the forest notes of the American hops and that American West Coast IPA are going to bridge and echo and marry over to those herbal notes from the, from the sage and the rosemary. And then the umami of the Parmesan and the cream and the fat and the heavy, dense nature of that fettuccine because an American West Coast IPA is, is intense enough, right? Intensity is half the battle in pairing. It's going to stand up to that, that fettuccine and not get washed away and, and kind of um, canceled. Um, and I love uh, that the residual sugar in the American IPA still can shine a little bit. Um, it actually marries with the sweetness in the cream from that fettuccine and like in pairing often works very well with like. Acidic things work very well. If you had a Berliner Weiss, I'd love to get people to pair a Berliner Weiss and a dill pickle. Try it. Go get a Berliner Weiss, pair it with a dill pickle, and you're going to taste that Berliner Weiss transform. It's going to push down the low-level acidity that was really in, in that delicate beer dominating, and then it's you're going to actually taste the wheat malt notes and get a sense of what's going on in a Berliner Weiss way over um, that lactic acidity uh, because of the acidity in the in the dill pickle brine juice. So anyway, I just love talking Perry. Wow, it, food is such an interest to me. I mean, I, I coming from that culinary background and and seeing the different pairings that uh, I just I actually Alex dropped it in the chat and I just ordered my copy. <laughs> I got just got the confirmation because that's just fascinating to me. Now, just out of curiosity, because you mentioned IPA and Berliner Weiss. Flipping to the opposite end of the spectrum, Imperial Stout. What do you do with that? Okay, and you all have your answers. The cheat is always chocolate cake. Um, I learned from uh, Ray Daniels, one, again, one of my mentors, Beyond Charlie. I've had some great mentors. Um, that flourless chocolate cake is a better place to take it. And Imperial Stout, um, you know, can work really well with a dry rub age properly aged. I think I like the outside of my steak. I'm saying steak to pair it with. Charred. It's called like a cowboy char. Go to Wyoming, get the best cowboy dry rub char. I'll take you to Alpine Chop House. You will be floored. And you pair that with an imperial stout. And I think it would work with that type of entree. And, you know, put it with some potatoes that give you some starch and girth and like slather some butter on those potatoes and some sour cream and like Mix that in while you're drinking your Imperial Stout and you would, you know, you would, you would have a, I think a great meal. So it's not just dessert with Imperial Stouts. That'd be, that'd be silly to me. That's where I see it going a lot locally. And I'm in central Wisconsin, so I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of um, really seasoned beer pairing professionals around here, but it's all, you get that Imperial Stout with the dessert, whatever it may be. Usually there's chocolate or something like that. And it's, uh, it's finishing the night off with the heaviest beer. And that's usually, I mean, your palate is so fatigued by that point. So I was just curious, but I'll have to try it with a steak next time I fire up the cast iron pan. Yeah, give it a go. So Dick threw in the chat. We're hungry now. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you started working in sales, but if someone wanted to start a career with the AHA, what other avenues are available? 
Um, well, we don't have a lot of turnover minus the layoffs that the organization did go through. And that was really um, a tough one. That's frankly why I left my craft beer program job. I was one of the layoffs. Um, but the uh, brewersassociation.org, not the homebrewersassociation.org, but on brewersassociation.org, at the bottom is um, work with us. And that's where we post all our job listings. Um, at minimum there. We definitely spread the job listing around in many places, trying to get as diverse a candidate pool as possible. But that's where I would monitor if you are interested. And you can also check out the team to see what roles we have currently filled. Um, and I mentioned a few of those departments, events, marketing, government affairs, membership um, is uh, you know a, a robust department for us uh, and the like. Awesome. I think I I skipped one of Will's questions up here. As a brew club and as homebrewers, I'm spread out around the country and around the world. How do we promote diversity in this hobby? Because I know it's it's a male-dominated hobby and industry for sure. Uh, how do we how do we promote that diversity and how do we what what steps can we take? Um, Will, I truly appreciate this question. I'm gonna take a moment to show you something while I'm answering it. Um, and it's a ra rather valid and common question these days. Um, what I want you to be aware of, and this is why this, this question is so timely is, for example, we just, for membership, and it was an incredible opportunity, uh, gave a the Art of Inclusive Communication webinar. You, It was Thursday. Y'all can watch the replay for up to three months, and then we no longer have the rights to that content. Um, I would encourage you all to, to do that. And I'm going to show you something before I answer the question. And I do have some suggested tactics. So here's our website. I'm going to go to the American Homebrewers Association forum. Is everyone following? Are you now it's going along? This yep. had, you know, all of us are on many different forums. This is one of the first. It's still very, very active. 100,000 plus are registered. It's free. We don't even require membership at this point in time for the forum. So I consider you, you know, if you've never checked it out, go, it's a great place to ask questions. But what I think is interesting, and I'm gonna showcase this. So I did a post on the art of con inclusive communication. And this is the, where did it go? Original post here, just announcing it. And then from there, I started to get challenged on why. Oh. I think it's stuck so, on the uh, Learn the Brew Day page. I saw your cursor moving okay, around. But we, yeah, it must have not flipped over. Let me let me do it because I'm trying to. I just want your input. Um, let's go back and I close that. I think we're there finally. Thanks for continuing to tell me when I am not keeping up with how to use this share screen. <laughs> there we go. There's so the here we are. Beautiful. So this is the forum. Everyone can register for free. So I did this post to let membership know about it. And then I started getting negative comments. I find it disappointing the HA expends time and resources that somebody nobody asked for. Um, then I try to say many members have specifically requested, just as you all organically brought up to me. Has the AHA gone woke is what I get you know, back. I, it's just really surprising to me. Um, and then you know, there's a poll that was put up and uh, it's only six voted yes, six voted no. So if y'all want to say that it's a value, please vote in the poll. <laughs> I need more than 12 votes to tell us what really we should be doing. And then um, I will get back to your answering your question. This is a topic that I have been asked about. In truth, 
mostly, especially by homebrew club leaders since I started. It's the number one thing that comes up. Wow. So a few tactics. A, consider whatever imagery you have on your Facebook page. You want to represent diverse walks of life. People connect with people that we can each identify with. And it's intimidating for men to connect with women if there's no dating going on sometimes and vice versa. So you want to show men and women. You want to show all you know uh, walks of life, age differences, etc. So the imagery matters on what your club is publishing. I would also say if you're truly concerned about it and you will get results from this is and I don't know if you have committees, but create a, or subcommittees, create a recruiting subcommittee. And that group over the course of months or a year can really put their mindset on meeting and talking about broad ways to really make this work. Because any tactics that I would throw your way, and, and I'm, it's coming up so often, and because this inclusive communication webinar had that going on on the forum, I'm going to write a post that'll go on homebrewersassociation.org, and I'm going to summarize more tactics to the question. Um, but the other one is, is reach out to the universities. I know y'all are a virtual club, um, but the universities do have all walks of life. And that's a great place to get um, young homebrewers, no matter male, female, no matter their um, you know, race or population uh, identity, exactly, you know, et cetera, uh, to, to connect with you. Are there any um, uh, ski clubs? Are there any, you know, whatever the club is, hey, club A, B, or C, do you want to join our club to brew? And so that's a good way to re reach new people you would never have talked to and say, it's Learn to Homebrew Day, University A, B, or C. We're looking to inspire your club members to homebrew. Who wants to homebrew with any of our club members? Those are two tactics. There's a lot more out there, um, but uh, I'll save it for the post. And eventually um, I will try to remember too to manually send it back to you, Alex, to share with the club when I publish that content. Awesome. Thank you. I, I know it's been tough. Central Wisconsin is a bunch of bush light drinkers and, and we're primarily, you know, Caucasian and, and the people that do homebrew are, are, you know, white males around here. So I, I recently, I think it was for last Learn to Brew Day, I got my sister involved. And she just brewed her first batch, her first one gallon extract batch a couple weeks ago by herself. So it was really neat to see. And, and hopefully she sticks with it. She doesn't like beer, but I didn't like beer either when I started homebrewing. So it's kind of neat. I love um, it. What a great story. Well done. Uh, Alex posted, and, and this is something that I'm fascinated in too, because I, I love foraging for ingredients. Are there any herbs or plants that you specifically look for or like to grow for the purpose of brewing other than like, I guess, hops or grain. If you try that. It's funny. I tend to go just an honest answer on my side. I, I tend to go more for the fruit and it's not that I'm busy planting these fruit um, items like the wild plums are not even on my property. Um, another one is I have choke cherries that did get planted by like birds or something. Mother nature grew the choke cherries right along my fence line. And when I, in a minute, I'll step up and do what I said, which is take you in the kitchen. And I'll show you outside where the choke cherry bushes are. So I tend to harvest fruit for secondary. Um, and I do have hops also growing along the um, fence line, but I haven't really gone to those botanicals that I would grow or forage for as much on that side. 
anybody else, I'd love to see if you've been foraging for any of that or growing any of that. Um, more, more so fruit for me. Okay. I did choke cherries in one of my sours this year and that was awesome. Cause it, it, I mean, they're so tart in general. So no, that was, that was an excellent fruit to have. Um, I have one more question from Chris and then I have a question for you and then we can, we'll, we'll love to take a little tour here. Uh, and this one, what Chris asks is actually quite relevant to, to what I wanted to ask you as well. What are online homebrew clubs doing to keep participation up? You know, we're, we're totally online. We have to work a little bit more. I don't want to say harder than regular clubs, but just in a different way. What have you seen uh, online homebrew clubs doing to keep participation and keep people involved? So it's an interesting one because you are a bit of an anomaly along with the Brewing Network, who also has a club that's kind of not all in one geographic location. So my answer doesn't help you because the tips that I've heard are from people that are meeting in clubs uh, in this fashion that you all are, but are in the same region. And in that case, they tend to drop off homebrew at a local homebrew shop, and then they make six packs, and then homebrewers can go to that shop pick up the mixer sixers before the meeting, and then y'all have the ability to taste each other's beers. So geographically, when you're all over the world, that makes for a way different ball game. And I definitely have to think about that. Um, but the engagement level of you all sounds pretty damn good. I mean, you're smart enough to ask for like, you know, swing, swing of the fences when you want to get guests, right? I love you said, Alex told me Chris Loring from Notch Brewing talked about his cats at one meeting. Um, and, you know, y'all getting the guests is, is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, I will have to think beyond that, though, but it's to me mostly content and still trying to taste each other's beers. The other thing is, is you could pick a, pick a style theme. You've probably already done this. You all go buy your own versions of that or brew it. And then you do a style tasting and really dive into that topic each meeting. Um, because then sensory wise, especially if you all have different homebrews of the same style, you start to see the the spectrum of where beers can even land within one style. Yeah, we had a couple of our, uh, we do our average brew, which we which is uh, one of our recipe collaboration things that we do. But we've had some members on Discord talking about everyone going and buying either the same beer or or a same style and, and kind of chatting about it and just getting a little bit more, you know, diving into that beer, not just, oh, this is a, this is a damn good beer. I'm going to drink it. No, like actually talking about it. So hopefully that, uh, that comes, um, that comes to fruition. Uh, Chris wanted to follow up quick on this. Are, is there any work going on on legalizing shipping beer? I know it's kind of a gray area with some of the privatized companies and it's definitely, I guess, technically illegal with the postal service, but is there any, I know there was a bill out there, correct? Well, there's the USPS um, uh, Shipping Act, and that's definitely focused on licensed beverage alcohol on the beer side. Um, there is this. That's basically the second question that comes up the most. Um, feel free to email me and say, I'd like you all to work on this issue. The more that I get homebrewers telling me that, the more I can go to our government affairs team and say, and this, I continue to hear it again and again. Um, and so right now I'm diving in on trying to understand the laws and where the roadblocks are and where there might be runway. It's a big ask, though. It's not a federal, um, I think, uh, smart move to really try for the USPS. It's just you're we're not licensed in the first place for our beverage alcohol. Um, 
So it's a private carrier solution for UPS or FedEx to help us out here. Um, and, and, you know, truthfully so, uh, frankly, even representing an organization that depends on competition entries to be shipped, um, you know, shipping for um, samples, yeast samples for analysis is what I would always, I always put on my um, shipping and I use private carrier. Like that's just what I do to get it done. But it's a very legitimate question and feel free to give me some ammunition to uh, get us to add to the list of who's asking about it. Yeah, you bet. And if you don't mind dropping your email in the chat too, so we can, uh, we can grab that. That'll be, I'll send you an email for sure. Okay. Sounds um, good. No. I have one more question and then we can, we can get to your tour because I do want to respect your time. We've been, we've been on for about an hour, so I don't want to keep you too late. Um, now, your brewing, how, how long have you been brewing? What are your favorite styles and what are beers you'll never brew again? <laughs> okay. I've been brewing since my 20s. I'm 53. So more than 20 years, more than 30 years, if I can do math right. Um, my, I'm pretty, uh, frenetic in my brewing. I tend to not brew the same thing again and again, which is terrible. Cause then I'd probably get really good at one recipe. Um, but I will be brewing, for example, this Belgian golden strong again. Um, what I will never brew again, we did, and I do meads. I used to have a website, um, honeywine.com and I helped create the international mead festival and competition. Um, did a lot of work in the mead space and I love mead. Uh, and so we, my husband and I, speaking of foraging, uh, got from my mother-in-law who lives in Longmont and it was the wrong grape to work with basically Concord grapes, think Welch's grape juice, grape juice or jelly and jam. Um, so we did a piment, which is part grapes, part honey. The grapes were these Concord grapes and it, like from the get go, I never even liked the grapes, never mind adding them to the mead, but I just did it to make my husband happy. And I was just so pissy about that entire piment. We ended up calling it pissy ass piment. And every time we'd like transfer it or like, you know, I don't know, then when we bottled it or then we'd open a bottle, like it was in our cellar. I was just like, it's getting worse. Like it just did not work. So never again for a um, Concord grape piment. Awesome. And Will wants to follow that up with one more. Desert Island Brew. You got to get, you're on a desert island. You can have one beer for the rest of your life. What is that? I mean, I want to say two. I was going to say, because it's top of mind right now. I mean, I love a good finishes dry, properly done West Coast IPA. Like that's just my, one of my home-based styles. I will say that um, a proper English bitter is really my day-to-day -day style because um, it's more sessionable than those IPAs. Um, in Denver, if anyone ever comes out, you've got to go to Hogshead. Like it, it, it is one of the best breweries in the country and they are doing authentic English bitters in such a sweet way. And they have, I mean, it has discernible diacetyl intentionally, right? Um, it's um, the, the, the head brewer, the owner, Stephen Kirby, he's, you can, I can barely understand him. He's some, from somewhere in the UK that's like so ingrained. He has like a dialect and he's got a wild accent and he's super rad and he friggin' knows English beers. So the um, Chinwag ESB from Hogshead. And if I could brew that, I would, but I'm not Stephen Kirby. Although I have tried many ESBs. That's the probably the recipe over the years that I brewed the most beyond a cherry stout. 
Um, cherry Chica Stout, we published that recipe um, on homebrewersassociation.org. And I, I love making a cherry stout as well. Awesome. And, uh, and Dick asked, what your favorite swill beer? So I'm assuming he means like or something like that. Like a crusher? Just oh, yeah. Have a I mean, it's um, uh, uh, Lighthearted by Bell's. Like it's it's Bell's. It's a really good three some odd percent ABV beer, and I feel satisfied by it. The, the NAs are getting much better, but near beer is more my thing, um, and I really like having a six pack of that around. Um, and then I, I always have in my fridge Sam Adams Boston Lager. It's one of the most complex lagers out there, and it gets a bad rap. I don't know why. It's got back to diacetyl. It's got a low level. I've talked to Jim Cook personally about this intentional low level diacetyl to give it a little mouthfeel and to give it some girth, but you don't taste it. Um, it just takes the malt to maybe a little bit more caramel place. If you get it fresh, it's so good. Like German noble hop, bright notes. Um, you, it's decoction mashed. I don't know if anyone knows that. I mean, it like they go through so much trouble for Boston lager. And if you can find it in the can, it's super fun to drink out of the, the, the can. It's a custom can that Sam Adams designed. It's a bigger mouth. It's in, it's, it's, uh, it was designed to mimic drinking out of a glass. Um, it volatizes out CO2 easier. It's a bigger opening. Like it's a super cool can. So give that a try. Wow. I, I love Boston lager. And that's kind of what introduced me to down the Vienna lager route. And like Amber lagers is just that was such a good introduction and I've never been able to get one even close. And I don't really expect to, if I did, hey, I'd be a professional brewer. Hey, so um, if I can jump in here for a second, I just want to say, yeah, yeah thanks. You know, Julia, um, yeah, I've been an AHA member for, for on and off for many years. And, awesome. and honestly, like, I don't know some of the names of people like that were in your position before. Um, I ran into you in AHA at the homework on, um, I, I think I owe you an email there. I think you were, I mean, you're just, you, you've been generally energetic about the hobby and passionate about it. The uh, the videos you guys put out, like that you put out, if you haven't seen, she's got some videos on the AHA uh, YouTube channel. They're just like fun. Like homebrewing is fun. Like brew beer, it's it's great hobby. And and I, I see you on the online forums too, where like before I never saw anybody from the AHA on online forums. Like whether it's, you know, people like saying, you know, the AHA is, crap or it's great like you know just listening to some of the, the the feedback and i think i think that's what we need or i think we need some, some people that are it's not a some corporate organization out in, in colorado that's like setting some dictate about what is what is homebrewing beer it's it's passionate homebrewers that are like enjoying the hobby and, and celebrating that with others so i definitely appreciate your role and your the you clearly putting you know you're contributing the hobby and you're putting a lot of effort into it and i appreciate that thank you so much brent and i do remember chatting and you had even said keep up the commenting and you know it's a tough space i show showing you that that forum feed is it's a good example of how you know people are are not as if you would talk to them in person online and so it's a scary space but i am we're needing to take that space back and we're a voice of you know, people that believe in the mission of advancing homebrewing. So I want people to know we are people behind the org. So you're exactly right where we can do better to continue to say, hey, we're here. 
call us, contact us. Here's how to reach me. Here's what we're working on. Um, and the rest will work itself out. But I think that's a, a, a direction that I want to continue to push. And so your your kind words or music to my ears and that, yeah, I'm, I'm busy working hard at that. And it does matter to get out there as an individual and put your, you know, put your words behind who you are. So that's what I'm trying to do. All right, well, I'm going to walk you all to my kitchen, but to do that, I'm going to have to mute this or else it'll be the double um, echo. So talk amongst yourselves. And if it fails, I'll just come back here to the computer, but I'm going to give it a go. So I'm going to mute you and try it. Sounds good. All right, can you see me? Look good. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. I don't know how to flip my camera around though, but you're in my house. So I might have to walk backwards. <laughs> um, and what I was going to do was two things. I'll show you the outside where my hops are growing and the choke cherry bushes that I mentioned. And then I'll take you to my uh, Belgian Golden Strong. And then I'm going to let you all have your evening. But so Lions, Colorado, beautiful place. I'm so blessed. <laughs> We have chickens, which do eat our spent grains, by the way. Here are the chickens right there doing their thing. Um, and right behind me right here are the choke cherries. And they were so prolific this year. And they're also growing on the side of our house over there. So super cool. And then our hops got decimated this year. I have to like do diatomaceous earth next year because there was like earwigs or something. But look at these leaves. They just got eaten alive pockmarked out of like like recognition it's horrible so i didn't get really any hop flowers this year um so that's a shame i was very sad about that um and now we'll go to my home brew are you all still able to see me or no yep okay i see some notes some questions coming in perfect so yes okay yep. good good um, I'll turn the light on in here. It's a little dark. So again, reminder, this is the one gallon all grain that I brewed in the parking lot in Casper, Wyoming, off my camper during this summit for the craft brewers from Wyoming. So here it is. And I will give you a little sneak peek. It's in secondary now. There's the, um, the fruit on top. Certainly cloudy, and then I am fermenting secondary. Uh, this isn't really a vessel I've had pressure rated, and I'm cheating. This is loose. I don't even have an airlock on this, but because it's active, I'm not freaking out. You know, that yeast is giving me CO2 or a blanket of CO2, but I haven't fully sealed it because that would be dumb. Probably explode. Um, so that's it. And uh, I'll, I don't know, if you all keep in touch with me, ask me how it turned out, and I'm probably going to brew this again tonight. And I've got more plums because next week is Great American Beer Festival. And I want an active homebrew at the American Homebrewers Association booth. So I'm going to brew now. I'm going to bring it down to Denver and I'm going to pitch the yeast on Wednesday. And by Thursday night through Saturday, it'll be active. Oh, that'll be so neat. Yeah. So I'm now going to jump off the phone and say goodbye to y'all on the computer. Hold on real quick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it won't let me do two places. That's amazing. It sees that I left the room on the computer. So I'm yeah. I'm phone bound. That's, okay. that's all I got. Awesome. That's all right. Well, hey, I really, really appreciate the time. I know Alex 
kind of set this one up and I got thrown into to hosting this meeting, but it has been absolutely tremendous talking with you. Uh, the AHA is something that I've been a part of for such a long time. And it is just, it's incredible to see the change, you know, since you got into your leadership position with that. Uh, it's, it's been incredible. And for you to take the time out of your Saturday evening to come and talk to us is just, is wonderful. So really, thank you. It's been awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks to you as our host on the fly. You did a great job. You're, you're born for it. Thanks, <laughs> Alex, very much. And um, yeah, keep in touch. Hold, you know, you have a connection now. Reach out. Ask me any questions about resources, as I said. Alex, I'll send the follow-up email for info to maybe drop into the Facebook group. And maybe I'll get lucky enough to see some of y'all in uh, June in San Diego and send your officers if you can to help them out. Uh, enter homebrew, uh, National Homebrew Competition. I look forward to making uh, announcements soon on the changes that we're planning. But I appreciate you all sharing your Saturday evening with me. I can't believe I didn't have a beer. I spaced that before the call, which is funny. Um, I usually have a beer in my hand, but next time. And have me back in a few months. I'd love to connect again, you know, early 2023. I'd love to chat again. Yeah, Alex, let's write that down. That'll be that'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Be well, y'all. Take care. And if you do want that code, I put it in the chat. And um, either way, keep in touch. Use the AHA forum, and we'll see you later. Take care. You bet. Thank you. Bye, Bye everybody.